corporate said, you know, uh, would you want to come on as a suit performer and uh, just kind of oversee things? Then I, I transitioned into being the wrangler and, and the choreographer for all the live show appearances for some time. Damn. So 20 years with Rangers, man. What's up, guys? Today's guest is a martial arts practitioner and a professional stuntman. Please welcome to the Jamcast, Mr. Sonny Sison. Gee. What's up, brother? How are you? Travis. Man, I know my uh, audience is probably sick of me saying this, but dude, this is a surreal moment to sit down with you. Realistically, when was the last time I saw you in person? Uh, Maybe. Probably. Did, did we do Olympus together? Yeah. Was that the last time? I think so. So that's six, seven years? That's 2013, I think. Eight years ago, right. my goodness, that is a quite a long time because uh, Steve Brown, who I had on here as a guest, that was his first SAG job right. ever. Right, he's now a stunt coordinator. Right. Time, time flies, and, flies. And things move fast. Uh, Tyron Woodley was with us. Yeah, there. amazing. He's about. He just got announced this morning. He's about to fight Jake Paul in the rematch. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you heard about that. Tommy no. Fury just withdrew from the match, and so on December eighteenth, Tyron is stepping in to fight Jake Paul for the second time. Oh. Interesting where things go, man. A lot of pressure on that one. Yep. yep. Uh, I think, uh, last time I, I was thinking back, like you just asked, when was the last time I saw you? So the last time I was in LA was 2016. Wow. Uh, I've been living in the Philippines for the most part for the past, uh, since 2015. 100%. And I came back uh, for like three months, worked uh, some of the series stuff in Hawaii. Yes. Then came back to LA to take care of stuff, and then I went off to um, New York to work on Iron Fist oh, season one. Yes, okay. With so, some of our brothers we've had on the show. Yeah, you know what's pretty cool was with that project, with um, uh, what we did for Olympus Has Fallen. It's cool to see uh, stories and content out there that that allows. Um, us as a, a, a total community of Asians to work, yes. and we all know each other yes, to yes. some degree or other. If it's not first person, it's like two people removed. Yes, yes. Right. So to work with everybody is is really fun, and everybody taking care of everybody. So like you know, for for us coming out to Olympus, Lynn Oding brought me out. Yep, same right? here, same so, here. So, um, I remember getting a text from Lynn, and he goes, "Yo, are, are you free?" Um, want to bring you on for this project i'm like yeah cool he goes just want to pay it back man i go for what he goes you know when i first came out to la and you put me on some of those live show stuff i was like dude you're just my boy and i saw your skills and you know it, it, it feels good to be able to hire friends right dude that is that is one of the best transitions ever because literally i was going to start this off by thanking you because for a lot of people that don't know uh you were instrumental in so many people's careers back in the day in what mm. you were referencing with lynn and and even myself included uh you used to wrangle the power ranger live shows yep. and yep. so uh i have to thank you man because back before my career really launched so to speak um that was one way that I was filling a lot of time and just making money on the side is going in the suits, going Those around gigs, right? with you to events. Right. And uh, yeah, just making appearances as the Rangers. You, you know, interestingly, um, Rangers Rangers is my, my film school. Uh, I started with Rangers in 93. Wow. So essentially second season, Mighty Morphin. Yes. And uh, that all came about, uh, again, through connection of friends. 
was friends with Walter Jones, the original Power Ranger, uh, Black Ranger, yep, yep. Danny Wayne, who like runs everything Disney now. Huge coordinator now, right? Yeah, yeah. But those are like super cool guys, and um, so I was kind of running around in different directions, dancing, acting, and doing stunts. Yes. And just that community at that time, I would say in the in the early '90s in particular, to maybe mid '90s, everybody is really tight. And um, so that time that I got on for Rangers was Danny Wayne and just asked me, um, Sonny, yo, I got this indie job on the side. You want to come and play a Mongol warrior for a day? Oh. I was like, yeah, sure, that sounds fun. We shot, I think we shot that in, um, it was super cold, I forget. Maybe Alpine or, Ooh, okay. or okay. Angel's Crest or something yeah, like yeah, that. But yeah, it was totally. the snow. Yeah, yes. Right, so get on set and Jeff Pruitt, uh, who was then partners with Koichi, uh, and Alpha Stunts for Rangers was like, hey man, you you kind of look like Mark DeCosco. So I'm like, ah, here we go. <laughs> but I'm like, that's, the, that's a compliment. That's not a bad right? thing by any Mark means. Mark is a, a very much like a big brother to me in yeah. this industry. So he goes, yeah, I just work with Mark on Double Dragon. I go, oh, yes. cool. He goes, I doubled Scott Wolf. I go, cool. End of the shoot, he goes, hey, you want to come work on Rangers? And I was just like, yeah, okay, cool. You know, Dang. but kind of jumping all over the place. Yeah. So, like I said, Rangers, I worked on Rangers sporadically a lot in the early seasons, maybe first three seasons. Yes. And then they started getting these uh, appearances all over the place were conflicting with the shooting schedule. So the day players or the weekly players on Rangers couldn't go out and do those appearances. So that's why they made the separation. Yes, they made, they made the separate appearances. Wow. And since I wasn't a weekly, even though I was asked by alpha stunts to come and you want to train with us and yeah. i know where that was going to lead right totally totally <laughs> i didn't want to get locked in yeah. because i was still going out for auditions and all that kind of stuff yeah so corporate said you know uh would you want to come on as a suit performer and uh just kind of oversee things then i, I transitioned into being the wrangler and, and the choreographer for all the live show appearances for some time damn so 20 years with rangers man it's incredible, man. Right. And, and dude, I, I owe you so much because like I said, not only did it put some extra cash in our pockets at mm. times when a lot of our careers were starting off, we got to travel the world. Yeah. I even got to go overseas with you to Europe at some point. And, and it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, they even have guys like uh, Yoshi Sadarso and stuff got to do, you know, stuff in the Ranger suit and yep. eventually became a Power Ranger yep. off the back end of that, you know? Yep. I mean, Yoshi, uh, Aaron Tony. Yes. Uh Lauren Kim, yeah, Johnny Yang, yeah, all these guys yeah. that that are like killing it right now, man. Yeah. They 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 were just super cool guys. These Zen Wuku, yes, you know, legendary so, urban, ninja. right? Malai, the, the monkeys, all those it's guys amazing. that that ended up doing Ranger appearances. And for me, I always looked at their character. Yeah, like are they cool people to work with? Of course, naturally, their skills, right? Everyone's skilled, right? Yeah. But Rangers is a very specific thing. People think that you put the suit on, you start throwing punches and kicks and stuff like that, you're automatic a Power Ranger. No. For me, for me, I'm kind of old school. You know, I grew up on that stuff watching Japanese uh, television in Hawaii. So there's a vibe to it. There's a way that you have to act even when you can't speak. Yes. You know, so if you do certain movements, you can mime and everything, but, you know, the hardcore people are going, oh, that's not a real Ranger. Yeah. You know? So I was, like, always about, and it's not just about the flipping and, and that it was energy that you gave out there right so i always look for specific people who wow. had skills that were professional that i knew would 
great with crowds because you know how crazy it was. Oh, it's man. insane, man. It's insane. Right? I, I got to ask you about this too, because I kind of know about this story. And so I just, I would just love it if you don't mind sharing it. Okay. But I heard there was a time you were on a plane and there was a guy <laughs> claiming to be a Power Ranger. Oh, <laughs> oh <laughs> <In Lord. laughs> Very close proximity to your seat. <laughs> right behind me, dude. <laughs> Classic. So uh, <laughs> uh, the guy was sitting, I think, um, window seat. And there's a space between talking to another woman on the side. And he was just randomly talking about how he was an established stunt guy in L.A. Okay. So kind of peeked around. Like, who is this? I should know him. Most of the time I would. Same. Right? Yeah, Most same, of the time yeah. I would. And if you're talking martial arts or something like that based in L.A., I'm going to know who you are. Yes. So he said, yeah, I do this and that. And I'm, I'm going to uh, an amusement park superhero show in san antonio i think it was okay and he goes yeah and i did power rangers of course <laughs> i'm like oh so i turn around and i go uh how'd you like working with koichi if you don't know who koichi is <laughs> come on <laughs> yeah, koichi is the man yes. when it comes to rangers and stuff and you know he's back in japan alpha stunts alpha stunts man legend so he says uh koichi i go uh yeah, he's this stunt coordinator, fight uh, choreographer for Rangers. He goes, must have been a day when uh, I worked it. He wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. So I just kind of sat back in my seat, rolled my eyes. And he wouldn't shut up the whole time about it, right? So it's, what, maybe a four-hour flight to San Antonio, yeah, three yeah. and a half or something like that. And the whole time he's just yapping. I go, all right. This one, I got to call the dude out on this one, right? So we're getting at the seat. And actually, I forgot to mention, I was going to San Antonio to do a ranger appearance. That, that's what I heard the irony was. Right? Yes. So I, we're, we're getting our all stuff out of the, the bins. I pull out the bag. And I go, is this the ranger stuff you're, you're talking about? He was like. You had the helmet. I had the helmet. I, had, I brought the suit out. And instantly he was like, ooh. And the girl went. <laughs> talk about foot in the mouth my goodness it, it, it's it's so funny because like you said like in this small community you can't really get away with too many lies on things like that and it'll catch up with you especially in a small martial arts world yeah it happens all the time i was on a set yesterday um and it was one of those situations where they had some extras that they wanted to do some featured action on, if that mm. makes sense. Mm. And, and I'm always very, very generous in trying to be like, you know, these guys obviously didn't sign up to do stunts. So I, my first priority is just keep them as safe as possible. Yeah. At the same time, you know, you have to balance a lot of ego sometimes with extras. Always. Because a lot of them do the same thing and kind of over talk. And there was one guy on there who specifically kept saying like, oh, uh, don't worry about me, man. I got this. I, I do stunts all the time. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then I go, um, I'm just in there with my rigging team. And he, and then I go, what was the last thing you worked on? And he goes, oh, you know, I, I just did this huge HBO show. You know, it's about the Lakers and all this. And I go, oh, that's awesome. Who's the coordinator? And if you've worked on a stunt show as a stunt performer, you know who you the know coordinator, the coordinator is, is because he hired you. Absolutely. He's the one that talks to you the entire day. He puts you through the works and basically oversees you. And the guy goes, um, uh, like, a, man, there was like two of them. Ah, man, ah, yeah, I don't really remember the name. I'm mm. like, Wade Allen? Because uh, he called me to double Bruce Lee on that show. Mm. And then he just looked at me and was like, yeah, maybe that's his name. 
And I'm like, man, you can't lie in this business, brother. Oh, it's way too small, especially when you get to a certain level. I, I, I know people have done that. And some, some actually have gotten away with some stuff. Very much so. But eventually, it's, it's going to come back around. Right? I, there, there's been, uh, over the instances, over years, there have been people that have uh, faked IMDb credits that have been called out on that yeah, I've seen. Right? And it's like, guys, at the end of the day, I mean, there's no, it doesn't really get you ahead to lie by any means, you no. know? Um, if anything, just, you know, take that time and energy and put it into training. Well, you know, uh, I always, if I don't personally know who they are, I always get character references, man. Constantly. Hey, have you work with so-and-so? How is he to work with? Da, 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 da. And I, I've kind of always been the person to think that, you know, even, even if you're like super, super skilled, talented guy, yeah. if you're a jerk to work with, I, I kind of have to bite my tongue certain times because that's probably the person that we really can need or whatever yeah, yeah. but if, if if i have a choice to hire a good character person over a, a super skilled person i'm going to take with good character person 100 percent. I, I give that advice to a lot of newbies especially on this podcast i say like obviously skills are the most important thing in our business as far mm -hmm. as being safe and able to do your job but i say a lot of these guys that end up going on long runs is simply because their personality blends well and meshes with the team that people okay. are like i'm willing to be around this person for a certain amount of time mm. and they're not going to rub me the wrong way where i i'm going to want to kill them you know what i'm saying so, yeah right yeah. so you Especially newbies coming into the biz, uh, it's been that way forever. Even even recently, someone asked me, "How do I get into the industry?" I'm like, "You got to be specific about what you want to do." Yes, because <clears throat> the industry has a tendency to put you in a box. Yes, if you do stunts, you can't act. Yes, if you act, you can't do stunts. You know, supposedly, uh, supposedly, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, but totally. there, there have been crossover times yeah, yeah. where, in my experience, I've gotten more jobs as an actor doing stunts than I ever did when I was going out as an actor. Wow. Yeah. So, Just having that toolkit right. in your back pocket. And, and, and the, the skill level of what people are coming into the industry with, like uh, I was going to touch upon this when I was looking at your sign outside. Um, I was sort of anti-tricking when tricking was, was coming up mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because I come from a practical martial arts background. Of course. Tricking is fully aesthetic. Aesthetic. 100%. But then I, I had to stop myself and look at it from a different perspective. I can appreciate the athleticism. Yes. The visuals is awesome. And as a stunt coordinator, fight choreographer, I started thinking, how can I use this stuff? Yes, <laughs> right? 100. Right? So um, parkour and the free running stuff yeah. was, was coming up in the world. And I'm, I'm thinking in a world where everything's CG, or or wire assisted or something to be able to see what the human body can do naturally is amazing to watch so you know from a technical standpoint when we watch these kind of movies that uh have cg or wire stuff your eyes go it looks cool but internally something goes it's not real it's not real it's not real but when we see something real yeah. we can appreciate right even even someone who may not be athletic maybe into sports or something they know that's real mm -hmm. and there's a different total feeling you know 100 percent. i think that's why there was such a uh, a popularity and craze around shows like ninja warrior because it really puts it on a platform where people are seeing average humans that have normal day jobs pulling off athletic feats right. like before their eyes and it's almost like relatable to them more so than watching a parkour comp because they're like that's too far-fetched i'll never jump off a building mm. but to see like average americans going on an obstacle course 
and their day job is like a construction worker. It really just makes it real for people. And I think that's why that show has been so successful for so uh, many that, years. That show's amazing, man. Yeah. I, I was w watching the original yes. stuff from Japan and yes. then when he brought Sasuke. it to the U.S. And, and yeah, yeah. And, and you start seeing some of our friends competing on there, yeah. right? Uh, that was cool. But like you said, for these people who have regular day jobs, they, I'm a Kinko's manager, but I do rock climbing. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's dope. Totally. And, and when I think about people who have these kind of jobs, uh, day in, day out, schedule kind of stuff, and, and I'm not knocking it. People got to pay bills. Yeah. But when they go, I wish I could, I wish I could, I wish I could. I'm like, dude, uh, I'm not all that different from you. Thank you. Right? Yeah. I just... I take the risk. I tried. Right? I bet on myself. Right. Yeah. And if, if, if it's something that I enjoy doing, the reward isn't just doing it in and of itself. If it happens that coincidentally I get something out of it, work or whatever, then fantastic. But it's, it's like um, the idea of giving, right? Mm -hmm. You give because you feel good about simply giving. Yes. Are you looking to get anything back from it? Not necessarily, you know, but if someone reciprocates, that's awesome. 100%. If they don't reciprocate, it's still cool. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Right? So, you know, stepping in uh, to the studio earlier, you're talking to one of your employees. Yeah. You're just like, yeah, just go do it. Just go. I, I didn't know what the conversation about, but I was like. You knew exactly what it's about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah, too often I don't think people bet on themselves, you know. It's really funny. And, and what's really funny is, like, the whole conversation you brought up about how initially you weren't into tricking, uh, it was met with a lot of resistance from a lot of stunt coordinators initially. They're like, yeah. trickers can't fight. They can just flip around and stuff. But right. even most recently, like, uh, in this past week, there was a forum that we have for a tricking group online that I'm a member of. Mm. And uh, there was a debate recently posted by a kid who, long story short, his comment was, I don't like the fact that people can't differentiate between tricking and dancing and parkour. I think that they should be isolated and separate because of this and this and this. And mm. I just said, hey, man, my comment was when you get to my age, you just start to view everything as a form of movement. Yep. And while the end result may look different, it's the hard work and the journey there and the time spent getting mm. better at something that intrinsically links us together. Yep. You know? Yep. So uh, if you think universally around the world, what things can people relate to most? Music and dance. Yes. Right? Martial arts is a different thing. Every culture, every civilization has their own form of something. Yes. So when you uh, put, uh, and I remember when you were still at the old White Lotus yeah, studio. OG. <laughs> and you were going to name it Joining All Movement. You know, watching your mom do hip hop and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. I was like, Travis, putting it together. Right. Back in the day, before internet, before um, uh, what we had to do was business cards, <laughs> uh, a headshot, resume. Yes. You couldn't even show on a phone, this is my real. I know. You know? My goodness. You, kinda, you just kind of had to go by whatever you put on your resume. <laughs> my business card back in the day was movement specialist. Ooh. I didn't put martial arts. Wow. I didn't put... Stunts, I didn't put dance, I just said movement specialist. Ahead of your time. Yeah. <laughs> and in a certain way, um, I was ahead of my time in, yeah. in, in certain things. Like, I did Capoeira early. Yes. You know, um, Mark had tried to bring me on for only the strong. Only the strong. Double. But they ended up shooting in uh, Florida, which is non-union and right to work. Oh, so right to work states. Save some money. Yeah, totally. Not like Mark needed me to do anything anyway. Yeah, yeah. Wreck once or twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he got me into it initially that time. 
And then I took it up seriously later. I started uh, doing capoeira and still going out on dance auditions. Ah. And I was doing the ubachido. Yes. When everybody started calling it a K-kick. K-kick, the Nike right? kick. So it was me. <laughs> I was doing that. Uh, Nito Larioza was yes, doing that. I was going to ask you about that. Our friend David Nickel, who lives in, in Vegas. I totally know David. Right. 100%. So we were going out and dancing and doing that stuff. And then, uh, like, when I first saw Mark do a butterfly twist, this was early 90s. Yeah. I was like, hey, teach me, man. And he's like, uh-uh. You got to learn on your own. I crashed constantly learning how to do it on my own. So I was like, okay, I do it on my own. And so LA Valley yes. uh, College, um, you know, they have open floor. Everybody from back in the day was going there. So I was wrecking and wrecking and wrecking. I told myself, if I just learn the B-twist, I'll stop. I just want to learn the B-twist. So I learned the B-twist. Never been asked to do a Hong Kong spin or yeah. nothing for years and years and years until I did a, a, a movie short with uh, Ron Ewan. Okay. <laughs> and he goes, so you're going to get kicked, and then I need you to throw Hong Kong, and, like, I'm crashing into a coffee table. Okay. I got to fly maybe about 10 feet to hit the table. <laughs> right? <laughs> and spin. And spin. Yeah. And nail it. So we're talking, from the time that I learned how to do that stuff in the early 90s to when I shot that with Ron was probably 15 years. Whoa. And I'm not saying that, having those uh specific skills you never know when you're gonna have to pull it out 100 percent, right yeah, yeah right when's the last time that that a coordinator ever asked you to do a 540 never i tell kids this all the time is right. most likely you're never going to be asked to do your double corkscrews and your right. triple folds um but if you want to have in your back pocket it's a cool skill to yep. have pull it out but pull it out. at the same time don't depend on it you know i i i think of that in the same respect of i how I view martial arts, mm -hmm. right? I can't be an uh, expert at everything. Yes. But I, I, having a foundation in one thing will help you all understand how other things fit you. Yes, yes. You know, so if you have never worked a certain technique or a certain scenario and you don't know what to do in that situation, how are you going to get out of it? Yes, 100%, right? 100%. So you have a lot of stuff. You have your core stuff that you know you can do, but given a particular situation, don't uh, at least um, have have trained it in a certain way yeah. where you look at a reference point and you go, oh, I could do that, yeah. which I've been working on forever into this. So you pull something out when you need it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's the same thing of how I view like stunt coordinating. I don't know everything. So I, I'll pull in the people that do. Specialist, yeah, hundred percent. Right. It's good to have just a frame of reference of things. You know, I, I, that's a common question we get asked in the jam cast and at stunt workshops all the time. Is like, what martial arts should I study? Mm. And the answer that I want to give people is study as many as you can. Mm. I just obviously know people don't have the time and the the resources and the money sometimes to mm. pull that off. But at the root of it, um, you know, having some foundation in one art is amazing. And there's nothing wrong with touching just briefly on the surface of other arts, just at least so you have some sort of understanding of them, you know, just so that you don't completely, you know, go into a film and obviously a technique gets brought up in BJJ. Like I'm not an expert in jujitsu, no. but I at least know what certain submissions are. I at least know what certain positions on the ground are just enough so that I don't look stupid. And then I'll call upon a specialist to help me work out the transitions, exactly. you know? Exactly. And I, I, 
that's the same thing that might be applied in, in other technical aspects of filmmaking, yes. right? Yes. I know a little bit about sound. I know a little bit about camera. I know a little bit about this and that, but ask the guy who really knows. Yes. So at least you have, at the, at the end of the day, and I'm sure you're, you're going to head in this direction too, this is where I'm headed, is to produce. Yeah. And as a producer, what do you bring to the table? For me, it's, it's being able to bring a great team of people, mm -hmm. people who know what to do. Yes. But imagine, imagine if you were a stunt coordinator and uh, you don't know much. And a lot of people out there get gigs that way, you know, especially like, you know, low budget stuff yeah. or, or yeah. Uh, student film. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody who knows them, can you come in? He doesn't have that experience. Of course. And someone hustles you. And you don't know what they're talking about, yeah. right? Now you hire somebody, and it's the wrong thing. Yep. So, from the film production perspective, is like, okay, who who's your DP? What does he know? Yeah. Who's your stunt coordinator? What does he know? Yep. If you know a little bit of something, you know that that whoever's coming at you, if you can talk the same language to some degree, he's not going to try. He's not going to put one on you because you know something about it. Exactly. Right. Yeah, I tell people that all the time when I'm on set, they're like, how do you know all these terms? I'm like, because I listen. Yeah. Because I'm a sponge. Like, I'm not just concerned with, like, what my job is. Because, obviously, yeah, you need to focus on what your task is as a stuntman and sure. a stunt performer. But at the same time, like, you can't take for granted that all these other departments aren't going to, you're not going to talk to them at some point. Especially Dude, as a coordinator. I, you know? I was a pain in the butt for a lot of people on, on set. Yeah. Because, you know, when they say stunts is sit on the side or wait at your trailer. I'm like trying to hang around camera. Yeah. Same. You know, uh, uh, why are you using that lens? Or yes. I asked the gaffer, yes. why are you lighting it? Why are you like lighting that? it this way? <laughs> same. Right? Yeah. Jeff Amata taught me that really on in my career. I, I thank him as a mentor because I, I would be on some films with him and he would be having these conversations with art department or grips and he'd be saying all these terms. I'm like, shit, I don't know any of these terms. I'm mm. like, I, I didn't ask him why he learned them. I knew, instantly why he learned them so that he could have conversations with other departments yep. and bring some legitimacy to it and also show that there's like a level of respect like obviously this is your specialty but i at least know you know some of the technical terms in order to have a conversation with you so that i don't look like a dummy you know yeah you know and and for the most part i think uh everybody's really willing to share yeah their experience um when I worked on Act of Valor, Shane Hurlbut was the uh, director of photography. And this is the first time I saw people, they were using 5Ds and 7Ds. Yes. I was like, whoa, that's, what is that? That's a camera? Yeah. That's, that's what you guys are shooting with? He goes, yeah. And he was telling me all these different aspects of how you could use it and everything. So I see, you know, how, how much does it cost? He goes, that's going for about four grand for the body. Then I see him put a $20,000 lens on it. <laughs> Correct. Correct. The glass makes all the difference. Yeah. 100%. Oh, it's so <laughs> funny, man. I mean, over the course of your career, you've, you've obviously uh, touched on so many different genres of movement that I want to touch upon. Mm. Uh, but I just have to ask before I even delve into that, what was the origin of your movement journey? Was it martial arts or was it dance first? Do you know? Or was it all at the same time? I'd have to say maybe martial arts first. Dance came uh, very close. Okay. Uh, and it was interesting because um, last year, uh, I was still living in the Philippines at the time, my, my father passed away. And um, my older brother came out, and we were just, it had been some time since we caught up. We were talking about stuff. And 
the question of when we started martial arts, I thought it was when I was eight. Mm. Uh, nine, well, I don't want to age myself. <laughs> I was going to say 19. Yeah. <laughs> but he goes, no, 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 no. You started at four. Really? We, we were training. Uh, we were living in Hawaii. And he was like, we trained over here in Waipahu in this system. And I go, then, then like certain, uh, you know, clouds started like mist started yeah. separating. I go yeah I kind of have some vague memories about that he goes you don't remember uh you weren't feeling well and mom dropped me off at the class so you were going back with her back home and then when you guys were on uh Kamehameha freeway you leaned against the car door and you fell out wow. while it was going I go yeah that I remember yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh maybe the start of my stunt career wow, that's crazy <laughs> Right? That is so crazy. And but so, uh, but uh, yeah, so like that started um, that long ago. Okay. And then, but you see, I wasn't, I got serious around eight, seven to eight years old. Okay. But my, my stepfather being in the military, we were kind of constantly transferring mm. between, mostly between Hawaii and San Diego. That one year we lived in the Philippines. Okay. Moved back to Hawaii. Then eventually my teens, we moved uh, to San Diego. Okay. But the Japanese television stuff in Hawaii, you know, giant robots and yes, yes, the 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 precursor to Power Rangers mm -hmm. was a series called Go Ranger, Five Rangers. Okay, that was a series. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Kikaida, half man, half robot. I'm not. I'm okay. not. Not by name. Yeah, I would be lying to say I am. Yeah. Okay, uh, another Japanese series that for some reason in Hawaii that was just huge. Okay, so that was my exposure to all that stuff, and then. Back then, you know, driving theaters was a big thing. Yes. Right? So I did see Enter the Dragon okay. at the movie theater. A movie driving. I did see Five Fingers of Death wow. at the movie driving. Wow. So martial arts to me, initially, I was just attracted to the movement the same way people might look at ballet and go, wow, that's awesome. And I think part of it is not just the aesthetics of it, but the understanding of Athleticism, athleticism yes. and the training that goes behind it. 100%. Really attractive to me. So you doing, you know, joining our movement, and I was like, I, I, I just hope that more people could see that in the world. Yes. You know, there's there's cultures. Uh, Capoeira is one. Mm -hmm. uh, Arnis Screma is another. Yep. Um, Masoyama, oh. founder of uh, Kyoku Shinkai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of his quotes is, if you do not love music, you will never be a, a good karate man. Really? Yeah. No way. Right? Okay. Right? It was Nobu, Nobuyaki. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, uh, he told me that Masoyama thought the second best martial arts in the world was capoeira. Really? I was like, whoa. What? Who would have thought? Yeah, yeah. Completely different stylistically. Right? Right. So the beauty of, of just movement. Yes. Was always attracted to me, so it, it everything uh, uh, crossed. Martial arts helped dance. Dance helped martial arts. Okay. Uh, if you think about the b boy days, the craze it started in the seventies, but mid eighties is when it hit. Yeah, heyday. Right, and they always talked about how the moves that they stole. A lot of them were martial arts based. Yep. Right. Hundred percent. You watch Jackie's old stuff. You know. With the exception of, uh, I don't know what you guys call it in your system, but in our system we call it uh, a lohan, 
uh, a lohan kick where you're kind of flipping over from one side to the other okay start it's the start of the windmill yeah yeah 100 percent. Right? so jackie did that without the constant windmill but yeah. he would do that just the pop up pop up and yep. then he'd do it maybe two or three times yep. without the windmill that's the evolution of stuff right yeah 100 now what b-boys are doing i'm like oh it's insane it's astronomical defying gravity yeah. and physics man it, it's crazy <laughs> I, there's there the race right now is on to see who's going to be the first to land double air flare which is you take off on your hands, do yeah. two spins, and land back on your hands again. Like, is that possible? Uh, guys are getting close. Guys are catching it and then just crashing. No one successfully has pulled off the double air flare. Wow. Guys are doing one arm air flares. There was a little yeah, kid yeah, I've seen that posted this morning. Did like three in a row. But yeah, the double air flare is the next elusive big power move that everyone is chasing right That's now. Nuts. It's crazy, man. That's nuts. It, it's crazy to think about. In tricking, I never thought that we'd be at the level we are at right now in 2021. Why is that? Uh, back when I was tricking, the maximum, the, the move that was the big shit was the double cork. If you could, it, it used to be called the, the double ABC. If you could do double A twist, double B twist, and double cork, mm. that was like, you're the shit. You're a top tier tricker. Mm. Um, there are now multiple guys that have done quadruple cork, and the race is on for quintuple cork. Oh, my God. Yeah. Can you believe that? Quintuple cork. Five spins. Five spins off of one leg. <laughs> It's inconceivable. To yeah, me. I I um I started my acrobatic journey at Valley College back in 1995 mm. when I was a little kid, just looking to pick up some extra skills to add to my martial arts form, so yeah. I could compete against guys like Steve Tirada, right. these crazy high flying bastards. Right. And uh, my first coach was Eric Betts, mm. who um, also was a Power Ranger on the show, yeah. Green Ranger at one Eric, point. Eric helped me out way back in the 100%. day too. I just got to work with him on Westworld two weeks ago, and it was the first time we got to like sit on set and have a long catch-up. Mm. And one of the things that was so surreal to me was showing the guy who taught me how to do a back handspring the level of the sport of tricking now. Mm. He taught me how to do my first aerial. Me too. I, I just showed him a guy named Shosei Iwamoto in Japan who does a double aerial. How, how do you do a double aerial? You jump, and you do two aerials in the air, and you land uh, oh, no mini trap or nothing like that. Flat ground. Uh, I got to watch this. You should have seen his face. I got to see this. You should have seen his face, Sonny. It was, it was so amazing and also crazy to see that, like, wow, this guy who taught me how to do an aerial is now seeing the evolution of the sport of mm. a 15-year-old kid doing a double aerial. Double which I bet he'd aerial. Never, did you ever think that was possible? I, I would never even thought of it. Same here. Who would ever right. think? Yeah, and there's this kid in Japan that's, literally in the past year or two has invented 20 or so moves that are double flip variations. Same kid. Same kid. He's on fire. He's literally doing double flip moves on the flat spring floor and he's not having to run across an entire Olympic lane. You know how, yeah, sure, sure. You know, you know how in gymnastics they run da, 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 power tumble, round off back handspring, full in back out. Right. He literally from standing can do a full in back out on the flat ground. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah how old is he? 15? 16 now. 16. Yeah. Hmm. It's crazy. No, I'm, I'm, I'm pondering it because there's a project that I have in development. Um, they want to shoot it in Japan and, and Bangkok. I will tell you this. the uh, Hook me up with that kid. <laughs> when, I'll, I'll hook you up with the whole community. What's so cool to me is when I first started tricking, um, just like in breakdancing, America was viewed as the mecca of tricking, just like b-boying at one point was considered the mecca of b-boying. Right. What happened with b-boying? 
nope. Koreans Korea. and the ja- and Japanese, Japanese basically took it over. Right. right now, the Chinese and the Japanese are slowly taking over tricking by storm. We even have a friend who opened a gym out there called Tumja Tricking in Japan, mm. where this kid trains at. Mm. That kid that can do full and back outstanding, five years ago could not backflip. They've developed a system now and an army of kids in Japan. He now has two full tricking gyms because they, the first one was too full. They had opened a secondary one. Mm. And I shit you not, I call it right now. In the next five years, Japan will be the top tricking community in the world. When you, when you approach tricking, um, even, even basic gymnastics stuff, mm-hmm. do you have a good aerial sense? Like where you're at, if you're in midair or something yes. like that, you do. But I trained it. Right. So you, you approach it more from a technical standpoint. I do. Okay. Because you see a lot of power tumblers who are just, or street tumblers. They feel it. Right. See, I, my aerial awareness is crap. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I need references, yes, you know, I, yes, I need to see same. visual things and what's this feeling, right? Yeah. And I hate crashing. Same. Um, I thought even doing something as simple as a round off layout, step out was cool, you yeah. know? Uh, in 1992, I got my first professional dance job. And they were saying, uh, can you do any kind of flips or anything? I said, I can do a back top. He goes, yeah, it's everybody can kind of do a back top. This is, you know, <laughs> trying to up the game. Yeah, yeah. And it was a small stage. So I said, can I do it? Can I do a, a, a layout step out with maybe just one step into a round off? So I was practicing in that space. But I'd never done that before. It's a totally different feeling. You know, mechanics are a little different. Right? It's so different. So interestingly, uh, I was hanging out with James Pax. Okay. At the time. For uh, the younger generation, James Pax played lightning in um, uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Yep. And he was still living here in L.A. at that time. And we were hanging out, and I said, I got to learn this trick. And he goes, oh, I can teach you. I go, I didn't know you can tumble. He goes, yeah, yeah. So we went to Valley, and I saw him. He, he was doing, you know, uh, Back handspring, back handspring, da 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 So he goes, uh, all right, go, go for it. I go, I don't know how to do it. He goes, just do a couple round off back tucks, right off back tucks. And even then, I'm not super good with that stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I was getting really high. Totally, totally. Was, ah, you got it. Just, okay. So what you do is you, you know, don't, don't, uh, wait till you get to, you know, your peak and then throw your head back and kick your one leg as hard as you yes. can. You know, make it. I go, okay. I'm nervous as hell. And he's standing probably where, you know, your, your, your board is. And I'm thinking, you're kind of far away to be spotting, spotting. me. <laughs> and he goes, don't worry, man. You got it. You got it. I said, okay. And I round up. I punch. And I'm way up there. And I'm just about to go inverted. And I look over at him. And he's just looking at me. I'm like, you're not even spotting me. So I totally stopped my rotation. No way. Boom. And crashed. I, I, I put my hands out like this. And I felt my arms collapse. And then my head hit, boom, right on top of my neck. And I'm, I'm sitting down like this. And I'm like, I think I, I can't. I'm freaking out a little yeah, bit, right? Yeah, My neck was stiff and my whole body stiffened up. And then I went to, like, touch my head. And these two fingers were bent over this way, man. No like, way. Like, totally dislocated this way. No way. And, I, and then I kind of went into shock a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, of like course. This. I'm like, James, James. And he comes up and he goes, oh, it's this uh, dislocation. Snaps him back. Tuck, tuck. I go, uh, uh, I gotta go home. I gotta go home. I got ISIS. He goes, that's that's Western way, Western way. 
you got to put it in hot water. Yeah. <laughs> and now they're not straight anymore. <laughs> <laughs> to this day. <laughs> to this day, they, they're not straight. <laughs> oh, my God. So, <sighs> end of the day, uh, I didn't learn the trick. And I just ended up doing oh a B twist. Oh my instead. god, that is so good! <laughs> Shout out James. <laughs> Thank you, James. Man, that is so funny, man. Yeah. So over the course of your career, obviously, uh, as we've talked about, martial arts has been such an inherent part of your life. But I also know one of the things that's bound us together. We used to have a lot of conversations about is hip hop, dance, and yep. our love for the culture. And we have a lot of mutual friends that are old school poppers and yep. old school lockers. And it's not the same thing for those out there that call it the same thing. So yes. please don't say it's the same thing popping is completely different than locking they're totally separate art forms um one thing that i've always wanted to ask you about that we've never got to really speak at length about is uh how did you get the chance to perform with michael jackson oh gosh right time right place right mentality so my background as a dancer was uh, i was a street kid street dancer you know uh, no formal pop. classes, self-taught, basically, right? Well, I mean, you know, back in the day, like I said, in the in the, the height of uh, b-boying in the mid-'80s, I had a crew. Okay. Right? Oh, yes. Dog. High school kids, Hell and we'd yes. go challenge everybody else, whatever. The best thing I could do at that time was, you know, windmills. Yes. Um, but I'm more of a popper. Yes, yes. I learned locking much later. Yeah. With, with really top-level guys. Um. I became a professional dancer in 92. Okay. By the simple fact that when I was working at the Conan stunt show at Universal, mm-hmm. I was clowning around on stage and one of the other performers goes, you should go find an agent because hip hop or street dance is really hot right now. I go, really? They're like, oh yeah, Paul Abdul's combining technical yes. jazz dancing with street moves. Yes. So randomly I just looked, uh, for online, so I just looked through the Samuel French agents book. <laughs> okay. Let me no call this place. No way. Right? I got with LA Dance, uh, um, um, LA Talent. Okay. And I met with them. Uh, one of the co-owners happened to be from Hawaii, so we talked story again. And uh, they're like, well, we love your personality, but we got to see you dance. So we're having an audition for uh, potential clients. We'll rep. Okay. Yeah, yeah, totally. Open right. casting calls like they have. Yeah. Yes. So... I'll try to go through the sequence leading up to Michael Yeah, Jackson. yeah, please, please. Okay. So 92, you've got to remember this. I go to the audition, and the guy who's running the audition is, audition is a guy named Charles McGowan, okay. who was, uh, he's a legend in, in, in Broadway okay. and, and jazz. Okay. He was running the show. I had no technical training whatsoever. The first eight count is a jazz walk. <sighs> Across the floor. I go, what's a jazz walk? Yeah. Right? (laughs) I see everybody slinking over. I go, okay, Uh, I can fake that. (laughs) The second eight count was like funky club moves. Okay. Okay, I got that. Yeah. I start doing it and they kind of full out. Charles goes, okay, you guys see how this guy's doing? Doing it like him. All of a sudden, my future agents are like looking at me. Yeah. The last four counts of the audition was straight ballet and I was like I'm in trouble <laughs> I'm in trouble oh yeah but I looked at stuff I go okay it looks like kung fu let me yeah. do it that way how can I relate this here? right so I end up getting to the audition they like me that first year I probably only did maybe two or three jobs okay um but my first big audition was open call agent sent me for um Michael wow MJ and they were only replacing one dancer who eventually Jamie King got. 
Wow, legend. Right? Holy right? crap. Huge. Holy crap. But I just remember uh, waiting, learning the choreo, waiting, 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 waiting. And then four people come in. Two up front, two in back. You guys do the choreo, switch. switch. Two up front, two up back. My agents happen to be sitting there because they work with Kenny Ortega from a movie they did back in the 70s called Xanadu with Olivia Newton-John. No way. So they had a pressure performing in front of my agents again for the biggest freaking artist. In the Kenny world. Kenny Ortega, <laughs> right? So we do the numbers, we switch, we come back, and Kenny's like, and then give me some thought, let me give him some thought. Maybe about 30 seconds, he goes, okay, Sonny, please stay, everybody else, thank you. I was like, whoa, what just happened? Pulls me aside, he goes, I can see your background. I know it. I love street dancers. They have great energy. And uh, I just ex- encourage you, go take technical classes. Go wow. take jazz. Go take ballet. Go yeah. take tap. I didn't never took tap. But I took ballet for like six months straight. And then jazz classes at Tremaine's and then Edge. Okay. Uh, which are non-existent anymore. Yeah, yeah. Fast forward to, um, that was 92. Fast forward to 1994. 93 was a good year for me. Um, I'm starting to get out. The dance community, again, was, was pretty tight. Yeah. We were really tight, really good friends with everybody at that time. Still didn't work a lot. Okay. But enough significant gigs that, that people started to notice. But more than that, I made great connections um, on a really friendship level. Not talking about business, but if I saw a random guy out in the street, I'd be, yo, what's up? We just talk story, yes. right? So, okay, 1994, I remember this. Coming back from a martial arts class, I just took Kung Fu. It's summer. Okay. It's freaking hot. Yeah. I just, two hours straight of just hardcore horse dances, and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, I get home, and uh, my pager, pager blows up. <laughs> I call back. My agent says, so uh, Courtney, Courtney Miller, have an audition in L.A. And he's only seeing maybe eight guys, Sonny. You're on that list. Yeah, yeah. So you got to go back into Hollywood. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, man, I'm tired. It's hot. Do I go? But, you know, I was like, you know what? If Courtney asked for me to come or whoever it was that asked for me to come, I need to go. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Get there, Courtney goes, all right, here's the deal, fellas. I'm just going to show you six moves, put you on tape, send it to New York. All right, if you get it, you'll know by 4 p.m. Boom, 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 hit it, whatever. 4 p.m. comes around, no calls, <sighs> right? I'm like, okay, I'm going to go get a bite to eat. I leave the house, pager starts blowing up. I get home, I have a couple messages, and uh, call back. Courtney, yo, what's up, his son? He goes, all right, yo, so... uh you're in, man. I'm like, ah, oh, cool. He goes, you got a passport? I'm like, yep. He goes, all right, you're leaving tomorrow. I'm like, damn, tomorrow? Where am I going? He goes, you're going to Budapest, dog. I'm like, Budapest? Whoa, yeah, uh, let me start backing now, man. He goes, hold up, you don't even know who you're working for. I'm like, oh, yeah, who am I working for? <laughs> he goes, it's MJ. I was like, what? So, wow. I don't look at things that I've done in my life is like accomplishments or that's, that's the end of any, everything's kind of a stepping stone. To me, right? And um, simultaneously at that time, I don't know if you, 
if it still exists. Gary's Tuxedos? Yeah, 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 yeah I, think so. I think so. If not, I know of the name at right. least. So, yeah, so Gary's yeah. Tuxedos at the time was the second largest tuxedo retail rental store mm-hmm. across the United States. And I used to do a lot of these um, bridal fairs. <laughs> okay. So uh, we modeled the tuxedos, and then the last number was like dance. Yes, yes, right? yes, yes. And so the guy that brought me in... Um, was retiring. He said he's moving to Europe and he goes, you want to take over? I, I'm going to recommend you to take over the, the choreography stuff. Okay. I was like, oh, that's, that's really nice. Thank you. So I talked to the um, regional, Western regional director of that time. So he saw me dance, but he didn't know what my capability was as a choreographer. Holy, yeah, okay. So like, um, can we have an upcoming bridal fair to do? Can we see what you plan for the dance numbers on Tuesday? I'm like, sure, but I'm boning out on Sunday yes. to go to Budapest, oh. right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I don't recommend this to everybody, so you got to weigh yeah, yeah. things in, in terms of, of what something means to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, do I want to say regret? I don't want to say regret, but you should be a man of your word. If you're going to stick feel, to something, you should do you. it, right? Yeah, yeah. That one was a tough decision. Also, not, but but not really. <laughs> I was gonna say. Also, the chance to go perform with Michael Jackson, but not really, is, is a once in a lifetime right. thing. And I'm sure that guy hates me to this day. Uh, but I call. I'm I'm in the car going to the airport, calling some uh, one of the other model guys, and call this choreographer. He could do it. Yeah, fill in for you. So he he actually ended up getting the job, and they never called me back. But it's the principle of what that situation was like. Mm-hmm. Not that I regret doing Michael or turning down the Gary's tuxedo job. My lesson learned was I should have called up the director personally and said, I have this opportunity to work with Michael. Um, I have choreographer for friends that can deliver Mm -hmm. on what you need. I didn't have the balls at that time to say that. So for, you know, all your listeners out there, just be a straight up person. People will understand. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Especially right. in a business like this where opportunities are so rare, especially for things like that. Sometimes you can explain it and they may even cheer you on or support exactly. the decision. Exactly, exactly. And but I think, I think, like I said, most people are open to, yeah. to do that. If not, at least you, you're honest, you know, and, and you, if someone has an issue with it, it's no longer your issue. Yeah, it's on them then. Yeah, it's, it's, on, the, it's on the level, exactly. Man, that is incredible. So that's the MJ story, right? After that, you go, who do I dance for next? Yeah. Right? And um, I kind of was really leaning more towards stunts now at that point after MJ. I was still very serious about martial arts, so I didn't want to spread myself thin. I still had an acting agent with all the range of jobs that were taking me out of town. He was getting upset at me because he said, you got to stay in town in case I got to call you for a last-second audition. I said, yeah, but... I need to pay my bills. Yeah, yeah. And at least I'm doing a job that I enjoy. At that time, I realized the sacrifice that people have to do for any um, choice of craft. You know, what sacrifices you have to make. Why there are so many waiters and bartenders that are mm-hmm. actors. Trying to make Because, it. you know, and I don't want to take that for granted because I've been very fortunate to have been consistently working over 30 plus years. Yeah. Um, and, and that goes for anybody that you have to put your time in, pay your dues, make your connections, and, and just be an upright person. Yeah. 
you know, if, if people have problems with you, square them up right away, try to handle it, say your piece. If, if you guys can't agree to whatever, at least you're clear in your conscience. Yeah. Yeah. Right. hundred percent. So, you know, um, you're the man now. You're the guy telling all the youngsters how to handle stuff, you know? Yeah, trying. You know, yeah. we, we talked about quality of life, right? Yeah. You don't have to dig, do the big projects anymore necessarily, but end of the day, it's your schedule. You're doing what you want, yeah. and you're happy. Very blessed. You know, we, we constantly uh, grind in the industry where earlier we talked about do we hang around stunt people. I have stunt friends. but We talk about life. Yeah. Stunt stuff comes up every once in a while, you know, but it's not a competition with us. Same. My, my, my circle of friends. Same. And I want to be diversified in my group of friends. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm still friends from people I ran track with at Cal State North. Yes. Yeah. You yeah, know, totally, totally. I'm still friends with Facebook has, an amaz- has been an amazing thing. I'm friends, tighter friends with my high school friends now than I was during high school. 100%. Yeah. You know, so. Uh, friends and family are so important in rounding you out a, a more complete person. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I realize not everybody's a really social person. But in our industry, you have to. Yeah. You can't be a wallflower on the side. 100%. You know, um, you ride a fine line between being a show off and a humble person. Yeah. Because you got to step up to the plate at some point. 100 You have to put yourself out there in order to even be seen. Right. You know, that's the toughest thing. I think one of the things that it, that we talked about off camera about, you know, quality of life is also just making decisions um, just based on your own beliefs or, you know, like I said, betting on yourselves in a lot of ways. I think one of the things that was unique about you is you were an established stunt person here working in Los Angeles and mm-hmm. you made the conscious decision to move to the Philippines for a few years yeah, yeah, to yeah. take on action filmmaking out there. Yep. Yep. I think, uh, there was some cultural pride in me yeah. when, when, you know, uh, martial arts movies go through certain cycles, yeah. right? So Bruce Lee was the 70s, Jackie was the 80s, yeah. into the 90s. And then out of, out of the blue, Tony Jaa comes around with Ong Bak, right? Yes. Now he's doing something for Muay Thai and Thailand. Revolutionized right? action. Uh, we go, what, a decade later, and then The Raid comes out, yeah. right? So now... Um, Silat and Indonesia is getting exposure. At the forefront. Yeah. Right? I'm thinking Hollywood has been using Filipino martial arts, Eskrima, Arnis, Kali, for years and years and years and years and years. But just bits and pieces. It's not like the, 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 the story is about Filipino martial arts, yeah, where yeah. those movies were about that stuff. 100%. Right? Um, I went to the Philippines because the initial project I was offered, I helped a film director who just came out of film school, LA Community College. Okay. And uh, he hired one of my friends to be in his cast. Um, He had an action scene that he was supposed to do. Called me up, he goes, you know, young Filipino American guy, he's talented, a lot of potential, but he's never shot action before, can you help him? We shot his little bit. I don't hear from him for like maybe a year and a half, two years, and I just got an email. Sonny, I'm in the Philippines now. I got this really big project. It's it's with uh, one of the most famous action guys out there. And it's a period piece, historic okay. period piece about the Philippine Revolution against the Spanish. I go, that is what I'm more interested in than totally. the action stuff. Right? Yeah. So he goes, uh, you know, I, I know your thing is Filipino martial arts and definitely we want to use that. 
um, that was the foray, initial foray. Okay. I didn't know if I wanted to stay, but that actor himself said, we're behind, we got to catch up. You know, if you could stay and help us, then it would really help the industry. Okay. At that point, it became a mission to um, level up the, the the action that I saw what Out they were there. doing, and uh, uh, really focus more on, on on incorporating Filipino martial arts, specifically Filipino martial arts, because what I saw out there from stuff that they were doing, it was still kind of very similar to Hong Kong style movies. Okay, but the Philippines is not a is not necessarily that style of 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 martial arts. So they're only copying what they're seeing. Wow. Okay. And I'm saying, geez, you got your own stuff. Why don't you put it Why in the Why don't you front? put your own stuff? So I was able to do that uh, over several projects. And um, we reached a certain level where, where two of the movies that I actually directed made it to Netflix. Fantastic. Now we're getting global recognition. There we go. Right? And then the next move was to start bringing SAG movies back to the Philippines. Because prior to that, the, the last... SAG movie that shot there was Born Legacy. Yeah, I think so. Jeremy uh, yeah, yeah. Renner, right? Yeah. Um, but they weren't coming through. So my goal was to like bring SAG movies. And before I left, we actually uh, were in the mix of doing something that was SAG that we were oh, shoot there. Oh, wow. Okay. But ultimately, um, pandemic really affected the industry. Everything shut down. Understandable. So... Um, and and my health was was not so good. Uh, partially, work conditions were extremely difficult. We're talking about a developing country, right? Comparative to Hollywood, yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally. protocols are different. Um, ways they shoot are different. Um, they they there there are no unions, so I don't think I worked any less than a seventeen hour day. On any day that I shot over there, Jeez, right? Louise, yeah. Uh, overpopulation, congestion, just so in the past five years that I lived in the Philippines, I've been more uh, physically sick than in my entire life. Yeah, yeah. I go quality of life. I said I got to move back to Hawaii, man. Okay, right. Okay. L.A. was like a thought. But then, you know, I, I stayed in touch with you and all these other yeah, friends. Yeah. are like, nothing shoots here anymore, man. It's in Atlanta, it's in Vancouver, Toronto, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Now, you know, Europe is becoming a big thing. Totally. Canada's uh, taking Australia. off. Australia. Yeah. Toronto's going to be I'm the like, next So what's in L.A.? For me, what's in L.A.? Friends are here. That's cool. Food is here. That's cool. But I kind of don't want the responsibility of running shows right now. I was asked to direct in the Philippines. I turned down like a bunch of scripts simply because I didn't like the content. Yeah. And then couple that with the experience of, of logistics out there. It's really tough to shoot. So I was like, I'll pass. Let me go back to Hawaii. I'll just be a day player. Yeah. But let me develop my own projects. So that's where I'm at right now. Okay. I, we got some fun, fun stuff coming up. Crazy. You know? Crazy. And interestingly, the Philippines has helped me to gain more exposure to those people in the action world who want to make, you know, uh, action movies. Yeah, push the boundaries. And I'm, I'm, I'm very much in the mindset that Jackie says, I don't call my movies martial art movies. They're action movies. They're action movies, yeah. Right? yeah. And um, 
when we were referencing earlier what we can do naturally. I've, I very rarely have used any kind of assisted kind of stuff. I, re I like realism in terms of where, where action's concerned. Jackie's a huge influence in that way. Of course. Right? So uh, I like to stick to movies or scripts that ideally, you know, aside from safety factor, can we do this uh, practical mm -hmm. than any CG stuff or whatever. So there's an action movie in line. There's a, I don't know how you call it, a, a buddy 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 movie. Okay, okay. What, what does that genre fall in? Because it's it's sort of romantic comedy. Too. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what you would call that necessarily. Because yeah. I don't. It's not necessarily comedy. It's not necessarily drama. Yeah, yeah. Right. There's anyway. So that's Elements one of the projects. About, yeah. Okay. There's a project of a uh, uh, that will shoot in San Francisco. Um, a a collection of short stories, like thirty minute episodes talking about the filipino american experience growing up in san francisco in the in the early 70s yeah so a friend of mine hooked me up with that showrunner and we talked and i'll be directing a couple of those episodes so in terms of being a performer um i kind of feel like for myself i maybe have a couple more years in me to okay. do the physical stuff okay but i had my time yeah yeah being in front of the camera i had my time totally let, let me let me help out other people who, who are far more passionate about it than me being in front. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah, 100%. So I, I'm, I, like, I like behind the camera uh, helping with the creative process. Let's, let someone else have the fun. I had my fun. Yeah, yeah, totally. So I, I like seeing people enjoy what they, what they want to do and what they love to do. So, totally. If I can be a part of that, that's cool. Yeah. You know? that, that's where I'm at at this point. It's like I'm not greedy anymore. I get the calls for a lot of jobs and... Yeah, I could make money on him, but I'm like, you know what? This kid deserves a shot. Like, this kid mm. has never had a chance to do this, and he needs to be on the set to meet you and stuff. So there's a lot of times where I'll pass jobs, A, because I'm busy, but there's a lot of times where I will pick and choose jobs now just simply because, like, I, I've i checked that box, yeah, and, and I'm willing to open the door for someone else to meet this coordinator, if that makes sense, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I've gotten calls where, like, Sonny, can you do this? I'm like, I can, but yeah. there's a... There's people that are a lot better than me that can do that, you know. That's, um, a, sign. That's a sign of maturity. There, yeah. there was a there was a gig on Five O, where uh, Jeff Cariente was was uh, coordinating, and he said, "Sonny, how how good with your high falls?" I go like, "What height are we talking about? Fifty yeah. feet, maybe?" I'm like, "Okay." And what am I landing on? A swimming pool. Oh, I was like, "It's different than like, okay. airbag or box." Kind of went. Mm. Then he said, but here's the thing. You got to clear a rail and they want to do it in one shot. I said, that's not me, Hefe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got to get somebody else. Totally. Know your strengths and your weaknesses, right? It's half the battle in this business. Yep. <laughs> oh, that is hilarious. Man. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I've heard stories from other um, stunt friends and stunt coordinators who said someone said they could do something yeah, and then they couldn't. the worst thing. Oh, man. I felt so bad for both sides, right? And, um, the person, people who said that they could do this stuff are now like big time coordinators. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's in between us yeah. and, you know, we kind of 
<laughs> Yo, remember when you said you could, but yeah, you didn't? <laughs> totally. I've I've seen some stuff happen for some very talented people who have said they could do something in a simple task they couldn't do it, and I was yep. shocked. It didn't murder their career, but it definitely I'll never forget that. I'll remember those moments of like, ah, I remember right. that when you couldn't pull it off. That's, right. That's very interesting. See, the expectation is where Stunts is concerned, too. Um, productions... Those who understand will give me the time and the necessary time to do it. Yeah. But a lot of the action shots are so expensive. You only have one take to do it. Yeah. Two at the most. Yeah. Yeah. But the setup is so expensive totally. that if you screw that up. You're done. Right? Yeah. Remember when the bus didn't explode on Olympus is Falling? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and mm-hmm. uh, uh, what was the director's name again? Um, oh, training yeah. day director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, Antoine Fuqua. And, and Antoine Oof. was, was like, Come on. He was hot. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, ouch. Right. Yeah. Now that wasn't our department. That was that was effects. Effects, yeah. Right. But that guy got affected. Now he's barking at everybody. Hundred percent right? trickle down effect. Right. Yeah. So being a stunt coordinator, you try your best to set up everything. Starting with a previs if possible. Yeah. Right. Um and I don't think that production staff understands the necessity for that. Where they try to wing it. Let's just do it on the day. You know, and I, I always try to talk to them and say, do you understand that, that, that the more preparation you do for a gag, then the easier it's going to be to do it on the day. You'll save more time and money later Absolutely. by putting time in the prep. Absolutely. 100%. But their thinking is, I got to spend money to do the previs and all Extra that. Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're, they're stepping over the dollar to get the dime. Yeah, 100%. I'm like, spend the money. When you get to the day you're going to shoot the scenes, you spend your time actually shooting yes, the stuff that you need to do instead of practicing where you're going to do stuff. Totally, right? totally. So yeah, preparation is everything, man. 1,000%. Right? And 1, the Philippines wasn't used to doing previs until I came along, you know? And when I turned everything over to them, they were kind of like, oh, Matter of fact, um, so the first movie I did with, with Pedring, Lopez, I ended up doing two projects with him. The first one I did with him was called Nilalang, okay. uh, translated as The Entity. And I was referred to him uh, by a DP. So I went to meet with him, and I showed him my reel. And he goes, I got two other guys that I need to talk to, but I'm going to tell them I already got my guy. No one has reels out there. No one had reels out there, man. That's crazy. Yeah. I was like, whoa. No, so we're not just talking about leveling up in terms of skills or, or what's shot on camera, but just the, the, the basic necessities yeah. of, of, you know, what we would do as a stunt performer to, to get a gig. Mm-hmm. You don't have a reel? You don't have headshots? Yeah. You don't have a resume? Different work culture. Right. Yeah. And I understand, you know, it's kind of like, oh, it's my boy bring them on or there's tons of stunt groups out there, individual stunt groups that, um, you know, whoever runs the crew usually hires people from just from his group. If, if they fill all the positions and still need more people, then they'll outsource it to other people. Yeah. Very, very competitive out there. Um, where I was trying to establish a, a standard of, of pay for one, they were getting paid so far too low. So I tried to keep raising the level. We're getting there. 
And then they also did this thing where um, they would take a cut mm, from, what the, from what they were getting paid. I'm like, 100%. they're already getting paid nothing, and yeah. you're still taking a cut. So the way it would work is the stunt director would get a cut, yeah. the stunt leader would get a cut, whoever referred him, it might be just a PA would get a cut. So, you know, by the time you're done, you might have got 30 to 40% of what your pay was. Crazy. So I was like, whoever works for me, you guys keep that. That's all you. Yeah. You know, I already got my stunt fee. And I had to realize the difference culturally again. That's normal for them. Yeah. I don't like doing that. So I couldn't, I tried to... um keep my project clean in that way. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully that would influence other groups to see totally. that that was the right way to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But start by being the change yourself. Right. Yeah. Right. And and some agreed, some didn't because that was their They're stuck in their ways. That was their means of living. Yeah. So I didn't, you know, uh, again, just cultural standards. That's how they did it and uh end of the day, it was something that I didn't like. That eventually, you know, uh, I, I know I rub people the wrong way. Where they're saying I was arrogant and who is he to come in and tell us what to do kind of thing. I'm nobody. Yeah, yeah. I'm nobody, man. I'm just trying to help some people out. But you can't help those who don't want to help themselves. Totally. You don't so, need so much. Right. And uh, that added stress. A lot of mental stress. Mm -hmm. And I was like, mm -hmm. can't be around that. I need to be around people who think like-mindedly yeah 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 right so again um i have the uh, the red line group that started that i started in the philippines um my assistant one of my my primary assistant super super smart guy he's Mauro Eugenio, said bro you got an eye of a director i know you like stunts and all that stuff but i think you should transition to director start su shooting your short films and scripts yeah yeah but he got it he got it he he and and the the main core people that trained with me understood that they had to level up yeah because eventually if a movie does get out there you know sag uh hong kong movie australia comes i've heard it i've heard it from other people totally that that went to shoot there you know international production they're like the level of stunts here is it's old. Yeah. Right? So what they were asking them to do wasn't something that they could do because they kept training old ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I I still hope I, that there's a, the potential. There's still so much potential that can happen there. But they got to open up their minds. Yeah. Um, That's that's what Hollywood uh, has done for me in that sense of uh, a continual evolution. Yeah. Right? Dance the same way. Martial arts the same way. If you're stuck in something and then somebody comes along that you want to jump on board with, but you can't, you can't adapt. Yeah. Right? It's going to be a tough, tough world. You you just might not get that gig, period. 100%. Right? So, I kind of equate that to, to me trying to constantly involve, evolve as a person too. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I I kind of think I'm like the bridge between the newer school stunt people and the old school stunt people. I was like kind of in the middle, right? Um, but 
at my age now, there's certain things that, that I have my own standards of. Yeah. But when I come across somebody who has new energy, I'm, I'm so attracted to it. Totally, totally. I'm like, I, I love it. The, the, the vibe this person is giving and these talk of these are talking about ideas and this and that I get interested because I can see that they're passion passionate about what they're talking about yeah they just may not know how to do it right or it may not have the contacts yeah 100% so I'm like uh I'll help you out like no monetary thing yeah yeah like I, I can turn you on to this person or that person yeah yeah so uh, that's that's where I'm at. Just want to help people out, continue to grow if I can, and and, and live a stress less life as much as possible. But we're on the same page, man. If, right. if there's anything I could do at this point in my career, it's uh, at least try to save some people some time and some injuries and some headaches, and uh, just try to share the knowledge that was given to me over the years. I've had some amazing mentors. I've learned a lot from mistakes that I've made and injuries mm. that I've had. And uh, like you said, when you came in here, just trying to share, you know, knowledge with future generations of trying to help them along their journey, because it's not an easy one by any means. You know, people that pick yeah. and choose what we do have to be a little off in some ways. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> yeah. if I can help them in any capacity, even down to inviting people like you on this jam cast, you know, to, to explain your story and hopefully inspire people like that's the legacy I want to leave at this point in my life. Nope. It's not about the cool moves and the cool tricks anymore. Right. It's about how many people can I impact so that when I leave this world, how many people remember the positive stuff I did. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Uh, there's that uh, saying, uh, when you were born into this world, people were smiling. Yes. Right. Leave this world with, with people crying. Yeah. hundred percent. Right. Yeah. Surreal. It's, it's where we're at, man. Surreal, man. So I, I asked this question to everyone and I'm super curious about yours because it's been this long since I last seen you. So yeah. hopefully it's not that long before I see you again. Um, but come just to Hawaii. Put it out there, right? <laughs> come yeah, to Hawaii. Hey, I'll be out. I'll, I'll, I'll come visit you. Um, where do you see yourself five years from now? And then where do you see yourself 10 years from now? Mm, producing. Okay. Producing. I don't need to do major blockbuster stuff. Yeah. Uh, I just want to put something out there that people can enjoy. Yeah. Whether it's purely entertainment for them or there's a, something that can be motivating, yeah, um, inspiring, either or. Uh, I, I love traveling. You say? I love traveling. I love experiencing new cultures and meeting, meeting people. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll st Hawaii will still be home base. From now on, it will be home base. But... I've lived out of a suitcase for 30 years, you totally. know. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I have a rough idea of where I'm going. Like, I have a, a definite plan two to five years. Okay, okay. Ten years, who knows, right? But I'm open. Let's see. Hell yeah. um, whether I go into a completely different business, so long as there's something to learn from it that's, that's of interest to me, yeah. I totally do it. Absolutely. It may, it may not even be entertainment related, but who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, uh, for me, I get excited seeing people come up in the world Yeah, yeah. Un in their own time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, friends who were so success, successful family doing their thing. Um, I have a, I, I have a soft heart for people who take risk so. and, and just do what they love to do 
one of my sayings is do what you got to do to do what you want to do. Hell yes. Right? I'm not out to judge anybody. However you go about doing it, so long as you aren't hurting anybody intentionally, yeah, then go for it. You know, so uh, we were talking earlier uh, before we got on cam about influencing people and how uh, something you might have said to somebody at one point might have just been off the cuff, talking, talking. Then several years later, it comes back to you in a positive way. And I had that experience with this one lady when I was um, sent down to uh, South America. You know, Power Rangers, Mighty Morphin had a huge touring show in 1994 through 96. Uh, in between the time that I was on that show, I left for a short time, and then I was asked if I'd be interested to direct the show down in um, Buenos Aires, Argentina. Mm -hmm. And the person who was my interpreter was a super, super smart girl. I said, is this what, is this what you really want to do? She goes, well, you know, um, jobs are hard to come by. So right now, this is what I have to do. I said, okay, understandable. But I said, I think you're super intelligent. I hope that, that you know, you find what your passion is in life and really go for it. That was kind of the extent of that conversation. And I got a message. I, I don't remember if it was in couldn't have been an email. We weren't using email yet. <laughs> yeah. A phone call, maybe, or a letter. Okay. Sonny, this is Florencia. I just want to let you know I'm living in uh, South Africa or in, somewhere in Africa, I remember. She's saying, and I'm pursuing my degree in nuclear physics. Wow. Because you told me to. Wow. Because you told me to, to do what I wanted to do. I said, nuclear physics? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? But I was like, Oh, I just want to thank you so much. And I was like, wow. Crazy. The, 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 the feeling yeah. was, was more than, than uh, anything I could have expected. Totally. And, and I just love seeing people uh, enjoy their life that way. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Right? Yep. Hell yeah. Well, man, I appreciate it more than anything, man. Uh, just like the impact that you had upon her, you've impacted so many of our lives. Like we started this conversation with from giving some of us young kids a chance to put on a Power Ranger suit for the first time in our lives and mm -hmm. travel the world and make some extra cash. Um, you, you, there, was, there was one comment. Uh, sorry to cut you off. No, you're Chad, good. But, uh, you know, when, when I follow you guys on Facebook and IG, mm -hmm. and I, I always called you guys my kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Right? Someone got upset at me one time and said, why do you keep calling your kids, man? Like, you know, I said, well, they kind of are. Yeah, you know, yeah. they, they started um, some of their careers with Rangers or, or, or it was, Rangers was such an influence to them. Yeah. For them to be able to get into the suit and entertain people. Yeah. Many times we, we this was, was the most valuable thing to me. For us as rangers, when we would go do a make-a-wish mm -hmm. event or a hospital visit, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, holidays, kids couldn't get out. They were sick, this and that. And to see what we could do in these costumes for these kids yeah. to bring, you know, a moment of, of happiness when they're in such pain. Totally. Um, could I call that bragging? Yes, I could. Because that made me feel good yeah. that we could have an impact on people's lives that way. So 
with with you guys going out in the suits, I would call you my kids. What parent isn't proud of their children? Totally, totally. totally. Right? That's how I felt about it. Yeah, hundred percent. I wasn't like I'm bragging. Like I know him. I know him. I know him. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So people put put celebrity or notoriety like in this level of that. That's a big thing. It doesn't matter. We're all we're we're, we're all just people. Yeah. Totally. Right. You know, you've been around huge names in the world. And those people at the top of their game are usually like the most chill people. 100%. They know? have nothing to prove. Right. Yeah. Right. They ain't trying to climb the ladder and, you know, be all flashy and stuff. They just so down to earth. Yeah. MJ was like that. Now, I know a lot of people have their, their thing with MJ, for, but I didn't get involved with that. I only know who I am as a person yeah. and my direct experience. Of course, with yeah. Dude was humble, man. Just, and, and, and that same humility I've experienced with people in the music industry, in the dance world, in the martial arts world, as actors. You know, uh, shout out to Mark DeCoscos. Yeah. To me, he is, he's like such a great role model. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, people like, like him, like you, like, you know, uh, Simon. Yeah. I look up to Simon. I remember my first gig with Simon. Uh, was for high voltage with mm-hmm. Shannon uh, Lee. <laughs> and my experience with Simon was, uh, you know, I I watched Best of the Best before I got into the industry. James Liu was there with us too mm-hmm. on that shoot, and I remember I was I was doing something on on like a a, a column. Simon goes, "Wow, Wing Chun." And I go, "It's not Wing Chun; it's Filipino martial arts." And he goes, "No, it's Wing Chun." I go, "Okay, I'm not going to argue with Dehan." <laughs> 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 but over time, yeah. you know, uh, Simon has, has got to be a good brother. Mm-hmm. And some projects we work together, other times we just hang out. And I can appreciate that that we just don't have to talk about stunts, 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 stunts. Yeah. Right. How's Cindy? How your kids? Totally. You know, that's cool to me. That's, that's cool to me. A hundred percent. Right. It's all full circle. It is. Yeah. It is. hundred percent. I love it. Um, I, you know, I almost stepped away from the business almost stepped away from the business because I felt a little like that I hit my peak with this because mm-hmm. I would sometimes go on set and I go, oh, here we go again. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to ever feel that way. Yeah. Stepping on a set and feeling like I didn't want to be there. I had to find the passion in me again. Yep. And in all honesty, coming back to Hawaii helped me get grounded again, be around good people. And uh, visits here in LA, you know, I've just been here roughly two weeks, but but just to reconnect with people. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh, those are the things that I cherish more. Stunts is my work. It's my work. It's not my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. 100%. Yeah, it's crazy. I've, I've talked about this on this Jamcast a few times where burnout's a real thing, and... Uh, if it ever gets to a point where it feels like a job, it's probably not the right thing at that time. I, that's how I felt with dance. Oh, man. Yeah. It was like, I got to get this audition. I got to get this. Oh, man. Just go because it's fun. Go because, yes, be serious about your craft. But if you're not having fun, you shouldn't be there. Yeah, yeah. Right? Because at the end of the day, um, the risk that we take physically, if your mind is not there, you hurt yourself, you hurt somebody else. It's not the right mindset to have on set. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah, what we, we want to live long, man. Yeah, what we get to do is incredible at the root of it. And uh, once you start to lose sight of that, of what an incredible opportunity this is to just create magic that lives forever, um, you definitely have to take a step back and reassess things because you have to love it. Yeah, you can't just do it. Right, you have to love it. So. There, there are certainly times when when things get so tough for you. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we've all experienced that. That, but but your passion for it gets you through. Like you could you could deal with the with the difficulty of obstacles, or uh, being able to to go to a vet in the industry, a veterinarian, uh, veterinarian, yeah, a veteran, <laughs> veteran, <laughs> veteran, veteran in the industry, industry. and say, uh, how can you reassess stuff? What did you do? Yeah, what would you do, given my situation? So you know, we're at a point in our lives where we can mentor those. Uh, as a way of paying it forward from someone who's helped us. 100%. Simply that. Hell yeah. Right. And part of that, man, is uh, I appreciate you even taking the time to come on here and just spit, you know, little gems of knowledge. And hopefully this doesn't fall on deaf ears, the stuff that we've talked about, you know. I hope, bro, yeah. because, you know, I've watched your podcasts. Um, you always have the, the, the best interviews with people. <laughs> and you, and, and it's, it's, it's a really cool variety of people yeah. that you bring on. Yeah, yeah. So... You know, there's something for everybody. Yes. If they, if they just look at what what are they talking about? What's the foundation of everything that they're talking about? They'll see that it's, it's joining movement. all movements. It's man. movement, man. <laughs> right? It's movement, man. <laughs> right. Yeah, man. Well, I, I really appreciate you coming through. More than anything, it's it's surreal to be able to catch up, not only for the first time in, like we said, eight years, but to right. have it in a format where we'll have this forever, you know, to potentially yes. look back and talk about. And, yes. uh, and also, like we said, uh, I know we're both committed to inspiring future generations. So, you know, on behalf of myself and all the listeners, thanks for coming through. I really appreciate it. Travis, thanks for having me, man. It's always, always good to see you. Say, brother, say, man. So before we get out of here, though, can you just uh, look in this camera and tell people where they can, maybe, you know, stay up to date with your journey, whether that's online or sure anything that you want to promote or anything, let sure. them know. All right. So um, I'm a foodie right now. So <laughs> if you follow me, all you're going to see is pictures of food. <laughs> but uh, uh, I do have a, a stunt group that established in the Philippines, and we're going international, hopefully next year. Um, uh, Redline Action Design, both on Instagram and Facebook. That's it. Oh, yeah. Yo, guys, with that being said, please be sure to hit that like button, comment, subscribe for brand new episodes each and every week. Join us every Monday for Jam Breakdowns and every Friday for brand new Jamcast, interviewing influential members of the moon community like Mr. Sonny, Susan himself. So that being said, guys, got to give him one more very special shout out. Thanks for coming through, brother. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Travis. Oh, yes. And as always, guys, coming at you, coming through, I'm your host, Travis Wong. Thanks for joining us here on another Jamcast. Until next time, I'll see you all soon. Peace. 